from the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. This is Pardes from Jerusalem. I'm Larry Kluger, Pardes alum. This week, Bechukotai. This week in May is also a great time for you to check out the Pardes schedules for all of our learning classes this summer in Jerusalem at Pardes. You can see the full range of programs at Pardes, P-A-R-D-E-S dot O-R-G dot I-L. Also, if you're going to be in Jerusalem for any time during the summer, please stop into Pardes, meet some of the faculty, and uh, get a tour so that you can learn more about Pardes. And please tell them, of course, that you're listening to the Pardes from Jerusalem podcast. I hope you can come. This week, Bechukotai with Rabbi David Levenkrus. Rabbi David Levenkrus is an adjunct member of the Pardes faculty. And now, Rabbi David Levenkrus. Thank you, Larry. Today's class is brilliant, and I think I can say that without any possibility of me being accused of arrogance, because today what I'm going to share with you is actually not my own idea, but based upon a class on the website of Rabbi Menachem Liebtag. In many ways, I see myself as a student of Rabbi Liebtag, even though I've only been to one or two classes of his and have maybe spoken to him once or twice in my life. When I used to teach Tanakh and I needed an interesting idea, I needed something different, I needed something that was really well grounded in sources, I would always go to Rabbi um, Liebtag's site and find something that w- was of interest. And Parshat Bechukotai is of no difference. So I'm going to share with you what Rabbi Liebtag said, and then I'm going to expand a little bit upon his ideas myself. Needless to say, what I say does not reflect or Rabbi Liebtag in any way, but everything good is certainly from him. What Rabbi Liebtag does with our parasha is make an incredible linguistic comparison, and that is between the second and the third chapters of Breshit, the story of the Garden of Eden and of leaving the Garden of Eden. He looks at and by comparing the language of the psukim, of the verses, he draws a parallel to our parasha this week, Bechukotai, in which we have the tochacha, the blessings and the curses, and we will see that juxtaposing the two brings us to some very, very interesting theological and other conclusions. So let's slowly go through the parasha. If you have the source sheet in front of you, please look, otherwise I think it will be clear from what I am saying. In Breshit 2, God takes man and puts him in the garden. He has to work it and watch it. In Hebrew, Lishomra. And the person, the man, is told that he is free to eat of every tree of the garden. But from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, do not eat it. For if you eat it, you will die. And the word there is for tree, of course, is eights. So we're talking about the land, the Adama. And we hear that, that the man's Duty is Lashomra, to protect it, and is forbidden to eat from the Etz. If we look at Vayikra 26, verses 3 to 4, when God is laying out the um, agreement, if you will, that God is making with the Jewish people, he says, if you follow my laws and are careful to keep my commandments, Tishmeru, harking back to the word Vishomra in Breshit, then we will have rain at its right time, so that the land will bear crops and the trees of the field will provide fruit. So we're talking about the land and we have 
the idea of the duty to protect the land and of there being trees on the land. The next juxtaposition has to do with people and their relationship with God. We read after Adam and Eve have sinned, it says that they heard God's sound moving about in the garden, and the word is mit'alech, which is a very interesting word. It's not holech, walk, but it's mit'alech, which is reflexive, which seems to imply that God needs people in some way. So we read that God is mit'alech in the garden, and Adam and his wife hide themselves from God among the trees of the garden, and the word for among is toch. In Vayikra, we read as a prophecy, if the Jewish people are good, we will read, we see both words immediately together. And I will walk amongst you. If you do what God asks you to do, then God will walk amongst you. Before it is in the past, they were afraid of God. So Adam and Eve went into themselves. If you're good and you keep the mitzvot, it's not you who will be in the garden, but it is God who will be with you. So we have in Breshit, it is an, the expulsion or the beginning of the expulsion from Eden. We read in Vayikra that if we behave, then God will be amongst us and God will walk within us that we can actually fix up the sin of the Garden of Eden. So we have a juxtaposition about land. We have a juxtaposition about God. And next we have a juxtaposition about food. When Adam and Eve are cursed, it says the ground will be cursed because of you. You'll get food from it with anguish. It will bring forth thorn and thistles. This is the land. Adam is from Adama. Adam is the man of the land and is really being alienated in the, a very, very powerful way. It will bring forth thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the grass of the field by the sweat of your brow. You will eat lechem. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow. Bezam apecha tochal bread lechem. If we look at Vayikra 26.5, when we see what the bracha will be, what will happen if we, if we do what God says, we read that there will be so much that your threshing season will last until your grape harvest and your grape harvest will last until the time you plant. The whole year, your land will be bringing up crops before we read about like the land rejecting. Now we're reading the land is bringing out crops. You will have your fill of what? Of lechem and you will live securely in the land. So again, when it comes to food, we have a comparison. The punishment is that we will have to work for our lechem. The, the reward, if we behave, is that we will have so much good food and good harvest that we will easily have lechem. Finally, there is a comparison, which is a general comparison. We read over here in Breshit 3.23, about the expulsion, the banishment from Eden. And we said, From which he was taken. He was taken away from the land, from his essence. 
in the when we read about the punishments, we will read, "I will scatter you among the nations, and keep the sword door, the sword drawn against you. Your land will remain desolate." And the word for desolate is shmama, which is the word misham, with the letters in a different order. So again, we have a bit of a ping pong between the two, a game being played between the two. And indeed, this game touches on the most essential things in life. Food, land, our relationship with God, and our desire to feel at home. In the world, it could be nationalism, it could be a feeling of home, whatever the case might be. So we have these incredible, what I would say, not coincidental comparisons between the two. Um, there are differences too. In Brashit, it's not reciprocal. It's, there's no idea of if you do this, you'll do that. Whereas in Vayikra, there's a very strong idea of reward and punishment of action and effect. In Breshit, it's a narrative, whereas in Vayikra, it is experience. In Breshit, very interestingly, we're interested in the Adama, the, the, the actual physical land, which could be for everybody in the world. It's universalistic. Whereas in Vayikra, we are talking about Eretz Yisrael. Nevertheless, despite the differences, I think also we have a very strong idea coming through which we could only get from this very, very precise reading of the texts. And that is that Gan Eden is the ideal environment to have a relationship with God. Had we obeyed, we would have stayed in the garden. But because we didn't obey, we were punished and were banished. Similarly, in the Tochacha, if we obey, we will stay in the land and be prosperous. Whereas if we disobey, we will be banished. Breshit, and I think this is the nub of the lesson to be learned. In Breshit is something that happened. Vayikra is a second chance. What happened in Breshit was not some type of a Grecian fate that there's absolutely nothing I can do about. Breshit is undoable, and it's undoable by my own actions. We had a golden age that was in Eden. We will move, we can move again to a golden age, Vayikra. These curses, these blessings are actually a blueprint for us to go back to the Garden of Eden. And it would be lovely to finish the podcast over here. But now I'm going to move a bit away from ideas based upon what Rabbi Liebtag said and draw a cautionary note, if I may, of my own. Karl Popper, the thinker, said, Those who promised paradise on earth never produced anything but hell. No doubt thinking of communism and all the other utopian movements that the 20th century was so well known for. There's a story in a similar vein, which I heard in the name of the Maggid of Dubno, which is very, very apt to this. He talks about a fox and a crow, and the crow is in the tree, and the fox says to the crow, come down, come down. And the crow says, you know, I've read Aesop's fables, I've read La Fontaine, I'm not going to come down. If I come down, you will eat me. And the fox said, no, but Mashiach has come. The animals are lying down together. 
So the crow hears this, ah, oh, Mashiach has come. And the crow decides to come down. And as he's coming down, he hears the hunters shooting and with the dogs chasing after the quarry. And the crow says to the fox, how can it be that if Mashiach is coming, there's still hunters and dogs? And the fox says, ah, but the dogs don't know that Mashiach has come. And the Maggid of Dabno learns from this two things. One is that if you act as if Mashiach has already come, you will be eaten by the dogs. But if you don't believe in Mashiach, you are a dog. And in this way, I think he brings out the tension between aiming for a perfect world but living in the one we have. And I think that this is what this comparison is trying to tell us. Not that we already live in the perfect world, not as if we should act as if we are, but that our job is to create Eden on this world. And I would like to claim that the way we do it is to try and bring ourselves up to heaven rather than forcing heaven to be over here. In Brashit, the Garden of Eden was given to people, and I think that that is why it didn't work. One never appreciates something that is given as much as something that one has worked for, whereas in Vayikra, we are told that we have to work for it. And in reality, it's not like going back to Eden. What we're really trying to do, what Vayikra is telling us is you can't live in Eden, but you have to bring those good things about Eden into the real world. Whenever I think of this whole idea of creating Eden in Eretz Israel, of making the world a Garden of Eden for everybody, I always think of William Blake's poem, Jerusalem, which has a lot of its limitations, which was written with a very, very clear um, political thrust. There's no God in this poem. It's talking about all people, not about the Jewish people. It's talking about England. Jerusalem is totally abstract. It's not a real place, but it's a concept. And yet, with all these misgivings, I think William Blake's poem, Jerusalem, in a beautiful way, expresses what it might be to build heaven on earth. So let's read it. And if you can listen to it, the, many of you may know it. The music that it was set to is very, very beautiful. And did those feet in ancient times walk upon England's mountain green? And was the holy lamb of God on England's pleasant pasture seen? And did the countenance divine shine forth upon our clouded hills? And was Jerusalem builded here among these dark satanic mills? And the answer, of course, is no. Bring me my bow of burning gold. Bring me my arrows of desire. Bring me my spear. O oh, clouds unfold. Bring me my chariot of fire. Let's get the things that we need to do the job. I will not cease from mental flight, nor shall my sword sleep in my hand till we have built Jerusalem in England's green and pleasant land. I will not stop. I will not tarry. I will not give up until we build Jerusalem in England's green and pleasant land. And this is why I called this class till we have built Eden in Israel's varied 
and challenging land. May we all merit to do our own little bit in order to have this come true. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you, Rabbi Levin Cruz. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of Pardes from Jerusalem.